Welcome everyone to the PJ's cast. I'm your host Pierce, John alongside of my good pal Schmitty. Um, I don't really know how to start off the podcast today. Um, there's sometimes coming into it where I know exactly what I want to do and if I have a bit or not, but today not really so much. Um we're gonna do a quick podcast episode today, so we'll quickly go through the notes we have. The first one being is Blackhawks have another winter classic coming up, so 2025 next year on January 1st, they'll be playing the St. Louis Blues at Wrigley Field. Um, they played at rate they played the Red Wings at Wrigley Field in I think 2009, and obviously everyone was so positive about that. Everyone's like, "Oh, thank God the Blackhawks finally got an outdoor game." Um, yeah, they played. They played. I think then they played the Penguins. Was it at Soldier Field? Then they played the 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 Capitals. I think in Washington. Then they played St. Louis. So they have had a few outdoor games over the years. But I mean, if you got Connor Bedard playing in that game, like it makes total sense why the the NHL chose to put the Blackhawks in, in the Blues. Um, I don't know what else, like what what other teams they could have done. I remember we were talking in the chat. I think or no, it, you guys are talking in the chat. But I saw Ben say that it would have been cool if it was Red Wings and and Blackhawks. Like wait another year until like maybe the Blackhawks are a bit better and the and the Red Wings are you know probably going to be even better than they are now and celebrate their hundred year anniversaries. But I mean, you're the NHL. You want money right now, and you're going to get that with the Blackhawks and Blues. I mean. <laughs> People can complain all they want, but it's going to get the ratings in, and it's, it's Blues Blackhawks. So um, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I'm the only – well, there's two reasons I'm excited. One, because I feel like for a lot of us, we were really young last time that happened at Wrigley. Like, Dude, I was I'll eight. Be, <laughs> yeah, we'll be at the age now to where we could potentially get tickets to that, which would be fun. And also, I've been banging the drum for a black Blackhawks jersey, and I know it's been in the works apparently with uh, – fanatics or whatever but like this will definitely give us a black jersey which i think will be awesome i think there's a lot of directions that could go i remember ben said they could go literally just 2019 winter classic but swap the white with cream which i think would look amazing oh yeah cream and, nation, um, baby it, it should be cream over white with whatever jersey design they do i just think it looks better all of the 09 winter classic jersey but um i don't like i just it, it can't be worse than the chicago jersey so there's that and then it's also my whole thing, everyone wants to complain and be like, oh, well, we need to put other teams in to market it. And it's like, well, they just put Vegas and Seattle in and it had its worst rating. And yet. the ratings weren't great. And yeah. they had Boston-Pittsburgh the year before and it didn't do that good either. So you can't play. Yeah. They're not marketing the game well enough anymore. You, clearly the audience doesn't care enough anymore. You got to find some reason to make people care. And like, yeah, people have said there could have been way better matchups. Could have been Hawks-Avs. Could have been Hawks-Oilers. Like, Hawks Oilers would have been cool, yeah. Yeah, there and there's you could still do that down the line. I, I don't know. I don't. There's so many bigger problems in the NHL, and people will pick this as the one to lose their minds over. And I just, it's just not worth it to me to lose your mind over. It's an outdoor game that you're probably not even going to watch anyway. Like, get over yourself. Yeah, I feel it's so saturated at this point, the the Winter Classic, because it felt unique in those first few years. Like, I remember the first one, like, they did the the one in Edmonton, like, 20 years ago, and they did Montreal. That was cool. Um, And then they waited a few years in between till they started doing the Winter Classic on January 1st. I remember it was Buffalo and Pittsburgh when the Pittsburgh was wearing their baby blue jerseys, and I'm pretty sure Crosby got the 
the shootout winner. Like those felt so unique and so cool, but I think it's gone to the point now where they have the stadium series. I'm pretty sure there's more outdoor games. Like I couldn't even tell you which ones they are because they do such a bad job of marketing them. And they ha- they have done the Winter Classic, but no one really cares about it. It's kind of like the it's kind of like the All Star Game, where it's more so I think a local event. Like the ratings in Toronto were great for the All Star Game, and obviously if you if you live in Toronto or whatever city they're hosting the, this event, and you're gonna go to it and you're gonna have a good time. But like anyone outside of it, you probably don't care. So it it being held in Chicago, like everyone's everyone, it's gonna be sold out in Wrigley Field, no doubt about that. And everyone's gonna be there to watch Connor Bedard. But if you're, I don't know, like like a Blue Jackets fan, you're not watching the game. So I think that's what the Winter Classic is at now. Is it's just kind of it's a gimmick. But I mean, if it's in your if it's in your town, then you're. It's probably going to get good ratings there, and you're probably going to go to the game and buy a ticket. So, mm-hmm. um, I was going to say something else. I feel that's that's not your that's not your time to market the game. The time to market the game is obviously the international tournaments, the World Cup of Hockey, and the Olympics. That's where they need to start, you know, marketing the game. So, um, I'm I'm guessing you guys are going to go, but I got I got to do everything in my power to go. Not only see that game, but I would just love to be at Wrigley Field. We we're supposed to go um, when I was in Chicago, but obviously there was a rain out. But I mean, going to Wrigley Field and seeing a, a Blackhawks game that would be that would be so cool, especially if it, if it's snowing. So I'm gonna try to do everything I can to to get there because that, that would be so cool, especially if I if you guys are going as well. Um, I don't know if you have any final thoughts or that. Where we can move on to our next topic here. No, I mean, it's just another winter classic. Another thing for people to get mad at about all. Next topic. So Vegas ended Edmonton's 16-game winning streak. Now, it was going to end one time or another. All, all, all good things come to an end. But, uh, yeah, I for me, it's especially these past few years, it's been so hard to get invested in games like early on in the season, especially the first half. But then there's always a couple games. It's usually after the All-Star break because things start to, you know, mean more and the trade deadline's coming up. Teams are really starting to figure out, like, if they're a contender or if they're going to sell. And watching that Vegas-Edmonton game with, you know, potentially a record-tying win on the the line and it it had playoff feels to it. Like, I mean, (laughs) first goal of the game, McDavid-Drysell 2-0. I don't know what's more scarier for an NHL goalie than that. Uh, McDavid, McDavid buried that, but then Vegas, as they always do, they grind back and battle back, and they won that game three to one. And it just, I, w- I would have liked this. It would have been cool to see even Edmonton just tie that winning record or go past that because I think their next game is Anaheim. So it's like, oh, of course, the first game they play out of the shoot where they're a little rusty. They're playing Vegas, but I mean, that's that's how she goes. And I mean, the, Edmonton fans were. Ha- I think Edmonton fans are starting to hate Vegas more than Calgary. That's <laughs> playoffs. They kicked them out, and now ended like a potential, you know, record-setting winning streak. I mean, if we get Vegas Edmonton first round, please, I need that. I I don't know where else I wanted to go with that, but yeah. Um, do you have? Did you have any thoughts on that game? Uh. I first wanted to shout out Aiden Hill because he has a nine thirty seven oh, percentage. Like that's that's what I wanted to say. Ridiculous. Um, Aiden Hill seeing all the news for the Olympics and the the tournament they're doing next year. That game was basically his game to say, "Yeah, Canada, I'm your starting goalie. You too, Edmonton." Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he had 968 save percentage in that game, only let up one goal. Mm-hmm. And that was and then, a 2-0 to McDavid and Dreisaitl. Can't really even knock him for that one. Um, yeah, Vegas, is, Vegas just continues to be great. Now they're doing it without Eichel. They're, they're a team where one injury is not going to destroy them, and I no. feel like that's credit to their depth. Like Nick Waugh playing top line right now, and he's been mm-hmm. incredible. Um, and like you said, Edmonton. Edmonton's an interesting team right now because if I, if I recall, they've gone on an eight-game win streak and a 16-game win streak. So they're a very streaky team, which is a good and a bad thing, but like I – can't help but think of like the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like I think it was 2016, 17. They were yep. extremely streaky too, and that was a first round exit. So, like, yeah, you have the best player in the world. You have the second best player in the world, arguably for some people, and that might be enough on most nights. But like, I I can't help but if I'm Ken Holland, look at how I can keep adding to this team because this team has gotten out of the rut. They've proven that they're going to play for Knobloch, and like, mm-hmm. you can't let a three one loss like to tier where you're going to end up being. And, like, if I had to be a betting man, I'd imagine Edmonton's going to take it out on the Ducks tonight, like you said. So, oh, yeah. They're going to slaughter them. Yeah. They're <laughs> they're still the hottest team in the NHL, even with that mm-hmm. loss. And I feel like that speaks volumes. That was <clears> their that was their first loss under Chris Knobloch to a Western Conference team. So, not a real stat. <laughs> just, just not a real stat. Yeah, I... We, I remember I saw the the, the that uh, streak of uh, that that um, stat where it's like all the teams that have won these these games in a, like all these games in a row the Penguins that won I think seventeen in a row back in ninety two ninety three that was off their back to back cups but they lost in the second round obviously you brought up the Blue Jackets I can't remember what other teams were on that list but I think the the two thousand nine ten Capitals were on that list and they blew a three one series lead to the 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 Habs in the first round so. Usually, just looking at Dallas, not you know, you winning that many games in a row doesn't guarantee any success, success, success in the playoffs. But I mean, compared to what they were at the beginning of the season and looking at the LA Kings and how they've kind of free fallen, that I mean, sucks to lose to Vegas. I mean, that streak was going to end anyways. But it's it, things are looking good in Edmonton. I think I still think they can catch Vegas for that second spot. But I mean. Vegas is also good enough where they can take that second spot. I think Vancouver is just running away with that division. The the wild card is where it's is where it's interesting to me because um, LA is still hanging in there. I still think they're going to make the playoffs. I was kind of thinking about LA. I'm like, oh man, why is everything go- gone so wrong? And then, I mean, they traded Brock Faber. I mean, I love Kevin Fiala. I still probably make that trade. But because you didn't, I don't think they expected Brock Faber was going to be this top two defenseman that's averaging 25 minutes a night. But man, how much I think that they help? did, though, because that's why they traded him because they were so high on Brant Clark, which like that should be yeah. more of what they should get scorned for mm-hmm. is thinking that Brant Clark is going to still be this guy. And like he still can be, but I'm just saying, holds Brant Clark now 21, 22. Like it's, yeah. If you can't crack the um, NHL yet, that's a bit of a red flag. And that's that might not have been the case a decade ago for a young defenseman, but it is the case now because you have defensemen coming into the league at 19, 20, 21 and lighting up the league. And if he can't even crack the roster at 21 and the guy you traded, like you said, is playing top pair and arguably going to battle for the Calder at this point and should probably get Norris votes at this rate because he's doing oh, yeah, it without easily. their two top defensemen in Minnesota. Um, I don't, 
I still think that trade's fine. I just think they if you're gonna give if you're gonna give him flack for anything, I give him flack for sticking with Clark over favor, which yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe back then it didn't look like that was the right call, or that was it maybe it looked like that was the right call back then, but it clearly isn't now. And um once again, it's another one of those situations where you gotta start looking at Rob Blake. Like you can't coach is gone now. All eyes are on you now, pal. Yeah, it's all on you to make this to, to improve this team and and yeah, it's kind of the the thing. Like at the time, you're thinking, oh, okay, maybe like Brock Faber, like he's gonna be a good, very good defenseman at the NHL level. But again, we have these guys coming up, and Kevin Fiala is legitimate top line winger. But then things aren't going well this year. Not not that things are going great in Minnesota either. But I mean, again, what Faber is doing is is incredible. And another underrated one that I don't think the Kings are getting enough flack for as well is them trading Sean Walker as part of that three-way trade. I don't know how, because it was, it was part of the Provorov three-way trade. Cause I'm pretty sure the Kings retained salary yeah. on, on Provorov. Then they put him to Columbus and then Sean Walker went back the other way. The way they're talking about Sean Walker right now, him potentially commanding a first round pick on the market. I mean, that could have been, that could have been the Kings. That could have been another right-hand shot, but no, he's, now that's he's a guy on the market that's going to get a first round pick. So man, that's that's tough losing two right-handed defensemen like that, especially in the case of Sean Sean Walker, and you don't really have many, anything to show for it. At least with Faber, you got Fiala back, but yeah, it's their yeah their defensive depth is just not there. And I wonder, never been. There. I don't think they trade back for Walker, but how would you go about improving it? Do they? overpay for Tanev like who else would be there maybe Noah Hannafin I, I don't know but LA, LA to me is gonna be an interesting team coming up to the trade deadline because it sounds like there's a couple of their depth pieces they want to move like Arthur Kaliev because they do have a lot of forwards but I feel not all of them are over like are performing well so I feel like they're gonna have to clear up some space and maybe get a top four defensive back the other way I don't know but they're yeah. they're gonna be interesting because they they got the pieces but they're just underperforming. But hey, they might just go on a winning streak and it and it's all fine. I'll be the first to say their defense has been overrated for three years. Like yeah, they play well, quote unquote. But I they, think it was more their defensive structure and not like actual yeah, talent person. They need actual talent back there now. They're Dowdy. Like yeah, Dowdy can only do so much. And Gavrikov is. They thought that would be a fix, which like Gavrikov's a good depth piece, but he can't be a number two. They had never had a number two. That has been their problem for a long time. They thought Edler was going to be their number two for a couple years. Like yeah. it's, I don't know, man. Like Hannafin is the name that I think makes sense, but also like, how could you not go get a goalie? Like your team, Talbot's crumbled. Coffee, yeah. LOL. Riddick, <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts. Like, I don't know. Like, I just can't help but keep pointing fingers at Rob Blake if he comes out of this deadline with the same roster. <clears throat> yeah, he's definitely he's definitely on the on the on the hot seat right now. I I like what he's assembled for the most part, but yeah, if the the results aren't there, then I mean, you might be the guy to go. Like, I really want to take a look at their point scoring because. I mean, Kempe, Fiala, like they're hovering around point per game. Same with Kopitar. I mean, Kopitar might be nominated for a Selkie. Like he's been been so good. Trevor Moore has 21 goals in 48 games. Shout out to Trevor Moore. Like I'm looking at their offense. You don't really have a guy who's like over point per game. It looks like they have decent depth, but yeah, no, no, really one guy's taking over and Pierre-Luc Dubois, 20 points in 48 games. That's, that's rough. And 
It, yeah, it like really drops off. Then you're getting to guys like Alex Laferriere, who has 15 points in 47 games. And then like you're getting into your defenseman now, Mikey Anderson, Jordan Spence, who 15 points, 42 games, not bad. But yeah, it's and it seems for their forward core, they don't have like that that main guy who can take over. Like obviously it's easy to say like they don't have a Connor McDavid or, or Leon Dreisaitl, but I feel even like Vegas, Vegas has a, as a Jack Eichel or Mark Stone. I don't know if LA quite has that level of player right now. So I feel Quentin Byfield could be that. He, I mean, if he goes on a hot streak, like that's the thing. This team has the talent. They're just they're just not performing right now. But there's ways that they can internally improve, and then there's ways that Rob Blake can externally improve this team. Also, Trevor Lewis is back on the Kings. I did not know that. LOL. <laughs> And LOL, Andreas England is my city seven points in 48 games. Yeah, it's yeah, and just a lot of a lot more questions than answers with that team right now. Mm-hmm. Alex Turcotte's got two points in two games, and then yeah, Brent Clark six games, one point. Granted, six games, but yeah, not uh, not promising there. Um, <laughs> this is kind of a this is just like a shit post. Like, no, like I don't expect to go dive deep in on this, but like, did you see that, that, that video I sent of Darren Drager saying, Oh, the Rangers aren't comfortable trading their 2024 first round pick. Cause James Dolan like owns part of the sphere and he wants to be part of the spectacle. Like, <laughs> do you imagine they get like a good trade package for a player? I don't know who it would be. And it's just like, um, but my general manager, we can't trade, or like my owner, we can't trade away our 2024 first. We can do next year though. And they're like, no, nah, that we wanted it for this year. And it's like, oh, I can't do that. We we need to <laughs> draft a player in the sphere. It's like, I don't know. That, that That's just funny to me. I don't know if we have anything to say on that. Uh, not a serious contender and reasons <laughs> like that are why they have one cup in the last 70 years. So just... <laughs> Sucks for the fans and the team because this is a team that should be buying and they're not going to be able to buy their fullest potential. So maybe it's for the better though. Maybe they maybe it's better they don't overpay for like Nick Dowd, who apparently is rumored to oh be God, getting a first round pick. pick. Like, give me a f- or Adam Henrique. Yeah, like it's that's not how worth the it. market is. It's not worth it this year. If that's the market, it's not worth it, in my opinion. No. Um, and I, that's why I wonder if they like just wait it out and wait for their values to drop. And that's maybe why the flames in the, in the, or the, yeah, the flames trade away Lindholm and then the, and then the jets trade away Monaghan or perhaps trade away Monaghan getting all my teams mixed up. Mm-hmm. Um, looking for a super offer for super bowl 58 DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. The odds for the Super Bowl are the San Francisco 49ers with 125 negative odds to win and the Kansas City Chiefs have plus 105 odds to win. As for Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes has the best odds at 125 and Brock Purdy with 225. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for a problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources so on our next topic here since the blackhawks suck <laughs> i mean i at this point i don't even want to talk about the game it's it's the same game it felt like for like the 10 like 10th game in a row and i remember like like how does steve dangle like go through all those years of the leafs losing and having to do a video every day because i'm we do like a podcast once twice a week kind of thing and I struggle to come up with like new things to say with this team. I couldn't even imagine doing that for a crappy team for a decade straight and having to do a video on that team like every other day. I can't imagine that. Um, so instead of talking about the team, we're gonna start shifting our, our focus towards the future and what the, and I'm really looking forward to the draft because they still have two first round picks. They're so gonna have at worst a top five pick, top four now because they're. They're starting to kind of cement themselves in last place and having uh, Connor Bedard helps that for the time being. <laughs> having no mm-hmm. Connor Bedard helps that for the time being. So we're going to kind of take a look at some prospects that could go on the top. And we all know who number one is. It's Macklin Celebrity. We'll probably talk about him one time or another in the future. We, we already have talked about him. But I'm more interested, like, who could go after number one? Like, if the Blackhawks don't get first to world, who could they go? Because there doesn't really seem to be consensus. There's there's a lot of defensemen at the top end, which is nice, but there's also a few forwards. And the player we're going to talk about today is Caden Lindstrom. So I don't know if you want to lead things off or I can, but we're kind of going to talk about, give our opinions on Caden Lindstrom and what we think about him. You can go first. <laughs> okay. Um. I feel like you. I almost feel like you've watched more tape on Caden Lindstrom because I know you like him. But um, looking at how the Blackhawks have drafted the the past couple years with Kyle Davidson as GM, like I've really liked the picks they've made. But um, and as much as I like, I always think you should go for the most skilled players available. Like, but I think they need a they need to ha- have a better mix of size in their lineup. Like. Frank Nazar, he's 5'10", 5'11", not a very big guy. Same with Connor Bedard, albeit like he's a sturdy 5'10", 5'11", like 185, 190 pounds. So size isn't everything, but I don't think you can ice a full team of guys that are, are sub six feet. And that's the same thing with Oliver Moore. I think he's like 5'10", 5'11". Um, Kane Lindstrom is not that. He is like 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". It's kind of, his height has kind of been all over the place because I saw one place where it was like he was 6'5", and then I think when they did the the midterms, he was like 6'3", and like a quarter or something. Either way, a b- bigger than what they have right now, and overall, just a big boy. Um, he, I think he had a minor sh- shoulder surgery, so he is out for a bit, but if he kept up the... Well, he's still on pace to get 42 goals in 50 games. I love that feature on Elite Prospects, looking at like their their point pace. So he's he's putting the puck in the net. He's he's a big guy, and you're looking at all the criteria the Blackhawks want in their in their draft picks. He's a very speedy, athletic guy, a big guy, a center. He's very strong defensively. 
I don't know how much like offensive upside he's going to have. Like, I don't think he's going to be a number one center, but on this team, you don't need a number one center when you already have Connor Bedard. So I feel, I, I, I don't know what they're going to do with Moore and, and Nazar. Like one of them is going to shift to the wing. Both of them might shift to the wing. And if you get Caden Lindstrom at, at, you know, in, in the top five, again, I don't know, number two, number three, if they, if they would get him, but like number four, number five, they might get him. I think that would be a, a great pick, especially with his athletic toolkit. He seems pretty refined defensively for a guy who is 18 and playing in the WHL because there's always been the thing with, you know, big centers in the CHL, especially the WHL. There's been examples of it over the year with guys like Michael Rasmussen, who now has found a role in Detroit, but more as kind of a third line power play specialist guy. And Kirby Doc has been kind of mixed, though, unfortunately, injuries have kind of derailed him so far. But then you look at a guy like Dylan Cousins, who spent an extra year in the WHL and has come to the NHL and has made the transition quite well. I think he's kind of struggling this year, but he's got a big contract and more often than not, he's proved he's like a solid impact top six player. So um, I don't know if I would go with him at number two, number three, because I really like Artem Levshudov and I really think a right-handed shot would kind of, oh, hi Stevie, help finish off that defense. But the thought of like having your one-two punch at center solidified, having you know Connor Bedard, who could potentially be the best player in the NHL in the next few years, and a guy who's a big six-four, six-five center, two hundred plus pounds, playing on your second line, kind of all situations, kind of guy where you know he's maybe not putting up point per game numbers, but he's on your first penalty kill. He's taking that big face off, and he's even on the first or second power play, just parking his ass in front of the net. So. Yeah, if they drop to like three, four, that's a guy that I think Lindstrom, that's a guy I would like them to target. And I think just looking at his athletic ability, I think the Blackhawks would be seriously interested in him as well. What, what do you think about Kane Lindstrom? Yeah, I um, I I would take him at two if, if hmm. the opportunity presents itself. I guess the only concern now would be health concerns, just like – if this shoulder surgery does have an effect on anything in particular is goal scoring. Cause I just think a prospect with this size and to be able to skate as well as he does, because that's mm-hmm. one thing I feel like gets over understated in all this is that, yeah, he's a tank and yeah, he can move and yeah, he's highly skilled, but the guy's skating ability for a guy who's six, five over 200 pounds is way better than it should be. Like we have seen guys come out at this level and that's normally the concern is their foot speed. The foot speed is not a concern with mm-hmm. Kane Lindstrom. If no. anything, he'll have it like at worst, I think he'll have average speed in the NHL. I think he'll have above. I think he'll be one of those players that'll have bursts of speed that will shock people at times. Like it's not like Connor McDavid level, but like you look at guys like no. Matt Kachuk and Alex Barkov, like they know mm-hmm. when to turn on the jets. And that's something that's in his, in his tool set. I think the his ability to use his body not only offensively but defensively as well. He just has an ability to if this if the puck gets around on the wall or in the defensive zone, he just has an ability to just negate passing lanes and basically lock someone up on the wall. And I think that's a very translatable asset. I think he's got a hell of a one timer. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that could be used at nauseum. With any well, that's what I mean. He's got that versatility. Like you, he could be a net front guy, or you can tee him up for shots. Like he's mm-hmm. a, he has a very good shot. And my, uh, I know you were talking about like where you'd ice him in the lineup. My whole 
head cannon right now is if they drafted Lindstrom, I would glue him to Connor Bedard's left wing. <laughs> I, I just think, think I that. think you could put Nazar Moore as the two C and just let those two on the top line dominate. And you could put Kurashev on the on the right. I really don't care who's on the right at that point because I think those two could develop yeah. such a chemistry. Because not only I, I think Lindstrom's vision also is highly underrated, along with Bedard's vision. Like we've talked about that all year, but like those two finding each other on the seams, I feel like just could be deadly. And you put one on one circle, one on the other, five on five more power play. It's going to be a nightmare for teams to handle. And yeah, he might not translate day one. He might be a guy that goes back to Medicine Hat next year. And then he probably needs a year. Yeah. Yeah, And and best for him a year. I I think that's what honestly benefit his game more because then he could have that season that we all thought he was going to have where he was on pace for over 50 goals at one point and, Mm -hmm. you know, playing a two way game and all that. And I just think. I think he already has such a high floor and the oh, ceiling yeah, yeah. is showing that it could be higher than people thought. Even at, wor- at worst, he's like a third line center, still a guy that probably mm-hmm. goes on your second power play and is a penalty kill guy. Like if at worst, he's in the middle six of this team going forward. That's such a useful middle six forward for this team to have. But I think he has top line potential. I think if, mm-hmm. especially if you pair him with someone like Bedard who knows how to get to the soft spots and you have Lindstrom just basically clearing space for him and causing havoc in front. And, you know, they're like, I'm just imagining right now they're coming into the zone on a cross and drop, and you got Lindstrom crossing over the middle, basically taking two defensemen with him and then dropping it to Bedard. And Bedard's just got all this space to take whatever shot he wants. Like, that's the kind of stuff you could do with a forward like this. And I look at the other forwards that would be available at this point. And if you don't have number one for Celebrini, like, are you going to wait three years for Demidoff or would you take a chance on him? And I love Ivan Demidoff. I think he is yeah, leaps and bounds. The second best prospect in this draft. It's just a, it's just like a Mitch Koff situation. Do you want to wait yep. for that? Yeah. And Levshinov's great. It's just, um, I, I wonder how many teams value defensemen more than a forward. And like, yeah, Kyle Davidson might say, we're going to go get Gorchinski's partner and go draft Levshinov. And I'd be okay with that, but I'm starting to get into the camp of, if you don't, if you don't have number one, I would, Lindstrom's at the top of my list right now. I just think the upside is continue. Like if he comes back and performs at the rate he was, the it's sky's the limit. Sky's the limit for the kid, honestly. And we're looking at like what guys like Quentin Byfield are just scratching the surface at doing. He if he can be able to do that and translate his goal scoring to the NHL, it's going to be an issue. It's just going to be mm-hmm. an issue, even if he's not at his full potential right out the shoot. So I, I I love his game, man. Honestly, I the more yeah, I, I didn't want, th- the more excited I get. I just wanted to yeah, get I didn't even yeah, I didn't even think about the possibility of him playing on the line with Bedard. Like I can't even imagine like the logistics of like you being a, a opposing head coach and be like, This is how we're gonna defend him because you don't you can't defend that, that's it, my whole you know what it kind of is? is it's like Bedard needs his winger, and it's like this guy is crafted in a lab to mold with him. You know what I mean? Like he, mm-hmm. all the stuff, Bedard lacks in his game. Lindstrom can make up for, which is basically yeah. just size at that point. But yeah, I agree. Like yeah, at that you point, draw that up on the board and practice and see how to stop that one. <laughs> at the, it's almost kind of like dry saddle McDavid. Like you're not stopping that. <laughs> and granted, you, they, they could do that with any other, any other forward in this draft. The only one I'm not as high on is Eisenman. And I just think that's because yeah. He's more shoot first, and Bedard's already that. You need more, I think. Yeah. Well, his game's just one dimensional in general. I don't. I, 
at least with guys like Lindstrom, they've shown the ability to have a defensive game. There's versatility there. Yeah. 100%. And, he, and he's a 200-foot player, too. I feel like you'll mm-hmm. watch this guy back-check in the defensive zone and launch up the ice and be back for either a drop pass or he might be the guy entering the zone on that rush. You never know. Like, he just – you'll watch a shift of him, and he will be all over the ice for that 45 seconds to a minute. Yeah. And, it's it's a it's a it's a great thing to see because normally when you see a guy that big, they'll just use their size. They kind of get lazy on the ice at times. Mm-hmm. They know what works for them and what doesn't. This guy's trying everything on the ice, every shift. He, yeah, he, it's all it's all. Uh, what, what do I want to say? His motor's always going, mm-hmm. which I feel like is always something we look at these Davidson picks and we're like, what do they always have? That's they another have thing. A fucking yeah. motor, and they're ready to go. So, I I love the prospect, man. Hope he can get healthy and get a couple games in, maybe. Uh, help medicine hat in the playoffs. I don't know the timetable on the shoulder injury at the moment, but um, they said it was minor, so I don't know. Like, could be like maybe a few. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. I'm not gonna pretend to how what how long you might be out, but yeah. Um, I've, a lot of the time with these big players, like Quentin Byfield, took him a few years to you know figure it out at the NHL level. Even I think probably the most. Famous example right now is Tage Thompson. How many years did it take for him to get together? It's it's, it's so day I feel just click and be like, oh, I'm six four, six five, and like two hundred plus pounds. I can just bully people and do whatever I want, right? And that might that might just be the thing with with Caden Lindstrom, and that's why I like Malkin did that back in the day. Malkin mm-hmm. at one point just realized I'm bigger than everyone. Let's go. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. Speaking of uh, Drysaddle and McDavid, yeah. Uh, Malkin and Crosby is not bad either. There's some great <laughs> duos over the years. Baxter Ovechkin, Taves Kane, like they're they're out there. You just gotta find them. I mean, Thornton mm-hmm. Marlowe for years was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um uh, so I looked it up. He's got he it was announced like mid-January. He was out four to six yeah. weeks. So he could be back rel- he could be back in the next couple of weeks if his timetable went well. Yeah. So that's perfect timing to if he comes back swinging for the WHL playoffs, that's huge going forward. Cause we've seen so many times in the past, if you have a good playoff in junior, like you will have eyes on you going into the draft. Dude, look at Korchinski in 2022. Korchinski, Kirby doc. I know went up a mm-hmm. bunch because of that. Cause he dominated in the WHL playoffs. Um, yeah. It it's, it happens. So hopefully for his case, he can come back and fire, fire up. Cause I, I think he's a shooting for the top five and he could get higher. Oh, he, easily. Uh, like he's yeah. not, he's not slipping out of the top five. When Bob McKenzie's got you guys. in the top five, I know the hype's real. Like it's not mm-hmm. just us talking about it. Like the NHL teams see it too. And obviously like, you know, every dumb hockey men sees it. It's like, Oh, he's huge. He can get to the front of the net for us. Yeah. But it's like, there's more with this player. Than there's just more the than that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm never, I am never anti like big guy in hockey because we're, we're both pretty big fellas, but I feel a lot of the, the discussion around, you know, tall guys is that they're just tall and it's like, okay, well, what do they do else? And it's like, Oh, but they're tall and, and they move around and it's like, okay, but can they, you know, break the puck out of their zone? Can they, you know, like, can they win one? On, can can they, they win one-on-one battles against, mm-hmm. or even two-on-one or one-on-two battles at that rate? Because yeah. we've seen Lindstrom do that a lot in junior. You'll have both. They have good gaps. Yeah, like I'm thinking more of a defenseman, but yeah, you. Oh yeah, I'm talking. Yeah, I'm talking. I, you're yeah. right though. Like you gotta, you gotta watch your gap control as a defenseman. I feel like that's mm-hmm. like number one thing. Like I remember that was like 
that was the big thing with Brant Clark when he came out. I feel like was that like his gap was eh, but he was just so good in the transition that everyone mm-hmm. was like, he's gonna he's gonna be great. And it's just like yeah. more than that. Yeah, there's a lot more than that. <clears throat> and who knows, Clark? I I I thought very highly of Clark. He's still Clark could still be great. I'm time. not saying yeah. he can't. It's just like when you got rid of him because you thought he would be ready to go. When you got rid of Faber because you thought Clark would be ready to go and Faber's doing what he's doing, like, yeah, yeah. it's going to raise some questions. Rough, that was the yeah. point I was trying to make earlier with that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Fuck what else I was going to say. I wanted to bring up a good point. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, the Blackhawks, them drafting these, like, centers, but could all their game could also work good on the wing. Like, again, another thing I think that what the Davidson and Richardson one is versatility. Like, Bedard is more than just a shooter. He's a very good playmaker, and I think down the line he's going to be a good defensive player. Frank Nazar, his offensive game is more than just playmaking as well and, and speed. Like, like, these guys are very well-rounded offensively, and I think that's that's the same thing with Kane Lindstrom. And, I mean, at the end of the day, you're just getting skill. It doesn't matter what position they play. Like, yeah, they can play center, but you can move things around. You can put them on the wing. You can put them in any situation you want. So, I, yeah, the more I need to watch more on Kane Lindstrom because the way you talked about him was was so glowing that I need to I need to get more on him. But yeah, if your mic is off. You got to watch like a game of the shifts. That's the big thing. Like, yeah. That's what I've, I've been finding. I'm on YouTube sparring spar, sparsely, but like it'll mm-hmm. be like 20 minutes of or 15 minutes of his shifts. And I don't know, man, he doesn't, he rarely takes a shift off, which you do see on occasion in junior sometimes. Yeah. <clears throat> and sometimes like that happens. Like you're, you're like, cause you're so far better than everyone. And I think that was kind of the thing with someone like Kirby doc is that he didn't need to be at a hundred percent every night, but they're also, but then you saw the playoffs. It's like, Oh, I can, I can turn this on. And but unfortunately, like we've seen what's happened with Kirby doc, like how they treat him. They, they want him to be a shutdown center at a, as a 19 year old. Like it's, it's, with that context and how everything is unfolding, all his injuries, it's kind of hard. It's it's easy to see why things haven't worked out with him, unfortunately. Yeah, but yeah, if the Blackhawks take Lindstrom, keep him a year in the WHL, he might even take a couple of years to really reach his his full offensive potential. But I still think like sooner rather than later, Kane Lindstrom could be a guy that's in the NHL and you know hard to hard to play against. So yeah, I. Don't know if you have any closing closing thoughts on him, but yeah, I'm looking forward to to doing this over the next few months because again, it's hard to talk about the Blackhawks. So it's 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 interesting to you know talk about who the Blackhawks could pick, not even with their top five pick, but there's still some decent depth in this draft. Like maybe they go forward with their top five pick, maybe they go defense with their top five pick, and then go you know other position with their with their Tampa pick. So they're yeah. in a spot where they could go double forward, double defense, mm-hmm. one of each. I, I think they're in a very good spot right now, especially if Tampa is well, I the Tampa's in a rough spot right now. They just lost Sergeyev for the year probably with that leg oh, injury. Yeah, that was so bad. Rough to see, yeah. But um yeah, like if they are on the edge of the playoff run, we might be getting another teens pick, which would be great, like 16, 17, 18 that you could get a good player we- in there in this draft. Yeah, if we even get 19 like we did last year, like we're 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 cooking with grease. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, 
we did have one more question, but I know we're running tight, so I'm just going to end it off here because I feel this question <laughs> that we would because I had put out Twitter questions and we one of the questions we got was what do you think about the Arizona solution and we might hell by even by the next podcast we might have a resolution who fucking knows, yeah but like I feel if we we if we go on that topic like we're we're just it's gonna make us mad we're gonna go on for twenty minutes so we're gonna end this podcast we'll off, off with it on Monday about that hell yeah dude <laughs> all right. So yeah, um, shorter podcast today, but don't worry, we'll come up back with a, a longer one next week. Maybe we'll read some some Reddit stories and we'll take some more Twitter questions. But uh, yeah, thank you all for tuning in. Um, give us a five star rating on your preferred podcast platform. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Click that notification bell and smash that like button. So Ring yeah, that take bell. care. <laughs> Ring that bell and click the link in the description below. Oh, wow. Bloopers. <laughs> all right, bloopers. Peace out, just a bunch of swear words. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of racial slurs. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You okay. took it one step too far. <laughs> Can't believe we gave him the mic again. Jeez Louise, guys. Well, <laughs> come on. That was Snorlax. Come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, come on. Come on. Uh, the woke mob going to cancel me now, eh? Of course right. they are. What else are they here for? Like, come on. That's their job. That's how they make their money. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's we'll end it off right. That's a perfect place to end it. All right. Peace out, y'all. Enjoy your weekend. <laughs>